Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensa, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensa is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Awesome God, Father of eternity, Lord of lords, King of kings, we bow in your presence. Spirit of God, we invite you to come. Lord, help us in this task that you have given us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Please take your seats. In the morning, we started looking at quality in the disciples we produce. Trying to establish how to help disciples to be more and more Christ-like by the power of the Holy Spirit. This evening and all the three evenings, we shall be focusing on quantity, multiplying disciples. And for tonight, I want to stay on the different stages of disciple making. The stages of disciple making. Colossians chapter 2 verse 3 says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 and verse 24, the Bible says Christ is the wisdom of God and the power of God. And in Matthew 12 verse 41 and 42 Jesus said a greater than Solomon is here the wisest person who ever lived is Jesus Christ it means that the best way to do anything is in the hands of Jesus if we follow Jesus we should be able to master the best way for doing the best thing at the best time in the best possible circumstances. So, the proof of that is Jesus' 12 
disciples he made. One betrayed him, Judas Iscariot. But the eleven were prepared to die for him. And today, the largest religion in the world is Christianity. This means that what he built was solid. Muhammad ministered for 20 years. He got his revelation at age 40 and he died just before he was 62 years old. Buddha got his revelation around 40 years and he died around 80. He had 40 years to minister. But Jesus used only three and a half years to work. He was 30 when he started work. He was 33 and a half when he was crucified. That's all. But today, what he left behind has become the world's biggest religion. Why do we struggle to look somewhere in search of wisdom? Let's go to Jesus. Let's stay with Jesus. Let's copy Jesus. You see, let's let all our research be around how did Jesus do it? If we copy him well, we shall achieve the same result. So, let's look at how he did it. And the first area is what we call prayerful selection. Praying and choosing disciples. Prayerful selection. It is clear in the Bible, in Matthew 4.19, that Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Therefore, any Christian who is not reproducing, you are not fruitful, you are not multiplying, you are not a follower of Jesus. John 15, 2. Jesus said, any branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, my father cuts off. And any branch which bears fruit, he prunes it so that it can bear more fruit. And John fifteen sixteen, Jesus said, You did not choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and bear fruit, that your fruit will abide. So, let's look at Jesus and the way he started Getting his disciples. The first disciples to follow Jesus are recorded in John chapter 1. I want us to spend some time and read John 1. We are reading from verse 38. And let's patiently go through to verse 45 and just listen and see how Jesus did it. 
Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated, Teacher, why are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. Yes. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Night was about the tenth hour. You see, the first disciples of Jesus were John the Baptist's disciples. The first disciples of Jesus. They were John the Baptist's disciples. And John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. So, these two disciples heard John the Baptist, and they followed Jesus and said, Master, Rabbi, when they call you Rabbi, it means my teacher. My teacher. So, they say, Rabbi, where do you stay? They have never met before. And Jesus said, come and see. And they followed Jesus and went to stay in his house. And they slept there. Yes. Let's go on. 39. Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying. And they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. So, you can see that if you really want to make disciples, you have to give room for people to come close to you. If you are such that you don't want people near you, you cannot make disciples. You see? Come and see. And when they went, they stay. And when it was evening, they sleep. And they went and stayed with Jesus. And the next day, they got up and left. Verse 40. Andrew, his brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. Andrew, Andrew, his name is not even very common. Andrew was one of the people who heard what John said and followed Jesus and went and stayed in his house. Yes? The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. The first thing, the first thing, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother. It was Andrew who brought Peter to Jesus. But his brother, the best people to choose for discipling are your family members, your friends, your relatives, your classmates, your workmates, your neighbors. They are the first people to give gospel to and to disciple. Is somebody hearing me? If we want to make a breakthrough in disciple making, first of all, Andrew found his brother, Peter. 
and brought him to Jesus. He told him, we have found the Messiah. You sit here. Yes. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas. Which, when translated, is Peter. And I want you to understand that. Even though it was Andrew who brought Peter to Jesus, it was Peter who became the head of the church and the apostles. Some of your disciples can do better, much more than you in the house of God. The guy who led me to accept Christ. He's not a pastor, but I am a pastor. So don't consider that, well, for me, I only uh, made two, three disciples. It does, somebody warned Billy Graham's soul, and Billy Graham became what he, he became. Nobody should take your part in the work of making disciples as a joke. The gospel travels best through your family members, your friends, your workmates, your relatives, your neighbors. Why? The people who are witnesses most of the change are the family members, the friends, the relatives, workmates, schoolmates. They know the person. Therefore, when he says, Hey, something has happened to me. I'm changing. They say, oh, you are changing, really. We, 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 we know you are changing. We see the change. So, you need to put your target area there, first of all, for discipling. Noah, he could get his family members for building the ark. When nobody was prepared. Look at Rahab the harlot. She could fish for her family members. So that in Jericho they would not be destroyed. So it's the same. Lot and his family. They were the people God brought out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And in seeking somebody to save Cornelius and his household. Friends, family. Look at the Philippian jailer. Look at Lydia, the seller of purple. You see, God wants to save you and your family. He says in Acts chapter 16, verse uh, 30, 31. He says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You and your family will be saved. So, how how really do you go about selecting, choosing the person to disciple? The reason why Jesus prayed was because prayer is key to helping us to see the people the Holy Spirit is seeing. To notice the person the Holy Spirit is, is pointing at. To, you know, work out in your heart and in the heart of the disciple. 
Let's look at a few examples. In Acts chapter 8, we are reading from verse... Okay, let's take it all the way from verse 26. Acts 8 from verse 26. Yes. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. The angel of the Lord told him, Go south. There is a road between Jerusalem and Gaza. Go, go to that road. So he started out, and on the way, he met an Ethiopian Enoch. Yes. An important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, was sitting in his chariot, now, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Between Jerusalem and Ethiopia, at that time, it was 1,100 miles. And this man took his chariot and traveled all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, searching for God. In Jerusalem, the apostles were there. Eh? This is Acts chapter 8. So the disciples were multiplying greatly in Jerusalem. Is it not what we read in the morning? But this African, he went to Jerusalem. Nobody preached to him. Nobody helped him to be converted. Nobody baptized him. And he was going back 1,100 miles back home without Jesus. So the Holy Spirit said, Quick, Philip, where are you? Come on, get up. Go to the road between Jerusalem and Gaza. Now, 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 now. Leave everything you are doing. And when he went, he saw this man in his chariot. You know the rest of the story. So, the Spirit told him in verse 29, Go near this chariot. Join yourself to it. And when he got near, he heard the man reading the Bible. This is why we say it's not white men who taught Africans how to read. This man was reading the Bible. And Philip asked him, What you are reading, do you understand? He said, How can I understand if nobody explains to me? I can't understand. And Philip joined the chariot. And the end of the story is that he baptized the Ethiopian eunuch and the Holy Spirit took him away. The person who arranged the meeting is not Philip. It's not the Ethiopian eunuch. It's the Holy Spirit. Number two. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 from verse 1 all the way to verse 19. It's also another classic one. Jesus met Saul on the way to Damascus. And Paul was trembling. Who are you, Lord? 
says, I'm Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? He said, oh Lord. Then Jesus told him, you can't kick against the goats and win. And he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And Jesus told him, rise up. Go into the city. It will be told you what you must do. Then, Jesus called a disciple. I mean, I like us to read a few of the verses, just to make the point. Let's read verse 10. We are in Acts chapter 9. Let's read verse 10. Acts 9 verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. You see, Ananias. in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. This is why I respect the early church. This man was not an elder. He wasn't an archbishop. He wasn't an apostle. He wasn't one of the seven people the apostles laid their hands on. He was a... Somebody had taken time to disciple him in such a way that he was ready to lead Paul to Christ, to pray for him to receive the Holy Spirit, to baptize him. Somebody had worked on Ananias already. He was a disciple. The early church, we must respect them. This is just a disciple. And what happened? Yes. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a band from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Now, look at that. The Holy Spirit is making the appointment. He says that, Ananias, do you know, there is a certain man called Saul. His house address is the street called Street, house number so and so. And he is there praying, and he has seen a vision of a man called Ananias coming to place his hands on him so that he can see. So the appointment has been made already, because Jesus has shown Ananias to Paul and shown Paul to Ananias. Therefore, the two of them click. We choose our disciples without the Holy Spirit. No wonder we choose 11 Judas Iscariots. But if the Holy Spirit arranges the meeting, how can it fail? So this Ananias, he knew how to do healing. He knew how to pray for somebody to receive Holy Spirit. He knew how to baptize somebody. So when he got to Paul, he just did it for him. Nam, 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 nam. That's all. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, we have Cornelius. It is only God who knows people's hearts. 
we don't know their hearts. And there are many, many people, their outside is nice and appealing. But their inside is different. This is the story in First Samuel chapter 16, from verse 1 all the way to verse 13. Because God told Samuel, Hey, I've got a king. Hey, 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 I've got a king in the house of Jesse. So, and Samuel said, Father, I beg you, if Saul hears that I've come to anoint a king, he will kill me. And God said, Take a lamb. Say, I'm coming to sacrifice. And when he got there, the people trembled. Hey, Samuel, Prophet Samuel has come. Hey, what is it? He said, Oh, I've just come to sacrifice. And then he said, we'll call Jesse. And uh, uh, then he told Jesse, bring your children. Now, Jesse had seven sons he presented. The eighth one, he never thought he would ever be a king. If God is searching for a king, not David. So he didn't even present him. He was not, his name didn't come out for nomination. As a presidential candidate. So, when the first son of Jesse got up and walked, then Samuel said, ah, The Lord's anointed. And he took his oil bottle to anoint Eliab. And God told him, Let's read it, verse 7. First Samuel 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Yes. Do not look on his appearance. Don't look on his appearance. Don't look on his appearance. Don't look on his appearance. Oh, on the height of his stature. Oh, how tall and handsome he is. Four by four guy. And don't look there. Because I have rejected him. I have rejected him. For the Lord says, not as man says. There are many people we pick for discipling. God has rejected them. Man looks on the outward appearance. Man looks on outward appearance. But the Lord looks on their heart. You see? So, can you imagine? Jesus himself had brothers. But he never chose any of them to be among his disciples. In his lifetime. That's John chapter 7, verse 1 to 7. There was a time even in Mark chapter 3, verse 20, 21, the relatives of Jesus wanted to come and arrest him because he was mad. They said that Jesus is mad. Let's go and take him away. So, in picking disciples, we should consult the Holy Spirit. Men look on outward appearance. And if the choice is bad from the beginning, you have lost it already because you are going to invest into that person for one year or more and prayer and so on. And if the person is not good material before God, then all your investment is going to be zero. Even Judas is carried it's because God told Jesus to choose him. That's why he chose him. Let's read John 17. We are reading only verse 6. 
John chapter 17 verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. I want you to read it again. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me. I have manifested your word and your name to the people you gave me. Yes. Out of the world. Yes. Yours they were. And you gave them to me. They were yours. You gave them to me. Hallelujah. And they have kept your word. So, it means that these twelve, they were not just there, like in the market, people display sardine, toilet roll, soap, in the market. So you go, no, human beings are not like that. Jesus said, they were yours. You gave them to me. So, is it not much better if somebody even comes to be discipled, free born to, to pray a little more, to wait on the Holy Spirit a little more, to find out whether the Holy Spirit really, 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 really wants you to take that person up. We have already solved the case that we, it's good when you are practicing to choose only one person. But even if you are an experienced disciple maker, don't go beyond 12. We have settled that. And we are saying that your second team, team B, should be like Jesus' 70. He kept in the background. And even in your team A, you should know that you are looking, picking out three. Peter, James and John, whom you are even focusing on more. Please, that settles my first point. Allow me now to go to the second. The second point is spending time with your disciples. Finding time, making time, spending time with your disciples. Let's read John chapter 3, verse 22. We can read it from two different Bibles just to get the effect. Yes. John chapter 3, verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside and he remained there with them and was baptizing. Jesus and his disciples went to the Judean countryside and he remained there with them. It's a Greek word, diatribo. Diatribo means to stay with somebody, to hang out with somebody, to find time to, to just be together with somebody. Jesus he, he, he found time to be with his disciples and remain there with them. Now, this word, diatribo, is used also again in John chapter 11, verse 54. Let's, let's read it. John eleven fifty four. 
Therefore Jesus no longer moved about publicly yes. among the Jews. Instead he withdrew to a region near the desert. He withdrew to a region near the desert. To a village called Ephraim. A village called Ephraim. Where he stayed with his disciples. He stayed with his disciples. He stayed with his disciples. What I'm saying is that you need time for your disciples. Look, when he first met them, he said, come and see. Then, Matthew 4.19, he said, follow me. Mark 3.14, he said, come and But, by John chapter 14, verse 20, we saw this morning, he said, in that day you will know that I am in the Father, you are in me, I am in you. He even took bread and said, eat, this is my body. He took wine, drink, this is my blood. I want my body to be inside your body. I want my blood to be inside your blood. I, I, I want you in me and I in you. So, what does John 15, 13 say? John 15. Let's read verse 13. John chapter 15 verse 13. Yes. Greater love has no one than this. Yes. That he laid down his life for his friends. Good. Please. Let's read all the way to verse 15. You are my friends if you do what I command. Yes. I no longer call you servants. Uh Uh-huh. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Yes. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Hooray! He has moved them from come and see to friends. Jesus has moved them from come and see to follow me, to come and be with me, to come and be in me to friends. Okay, let's read John 20. Verse 17. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, Hey! Go to my brothers and say to them, Yes? I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Look at what has happened. He moved them from total strangers to come and see, then to come and follow me, to come and be with me, to come and be in me and I in you, to friends, and now to brothers. When you are discipling somebody, you are moving the person from a total stranger to your brother, your sister. This is the reason why you need to spend time to know the person. Then the person too knows you. Because if the person does not know you, and you don't know the person, you can't trust the person. There are some things nobody will ever tell another person if you can't trust the person. So you can be discipling somebody 
but the disciple will not tell you what is in his heart or her heart. There are many pastors, they are, I know more about their church members than they themselves, the pastor. Because they would rather come to another pastor to tell the pastor what is in their heart than tell their own pastor. So in discipling, you are moving the person from total stranger to become your friend and your brother, your sister. If that will not happen, you see that the discipleship is porous. You see, you are passing on head knowledge, but there is no heart. And immediately that is happening, it's better to stop the discipling and, and, and talk. Hallelujah. This means that we must add times when we eat together to our discipling. We must add times when we pray together to our discipling. We must add times when we together go to places Otherwise, you will never get to the point where the person becomes your brother, your sister. I had a problem when we were working with some of our white missionaries. The more we worked with them, the more they tried to show us that we are Africans and they are Europeans or Americans. So they never really come to the point where they trust the African enough to give the work into our hands. But the truth is that Jesus made those people his brothers. Look at Timothy. Paul didn't know him from Anywhere. But he picked him, circumcised him, and by the time Paul was going to die, he was saying, Timothy, my true son in the Lord. And he came to trust him. Timothy trusted him, and they were working as father and son. Disciple making must involve people you can, you know, diatribole with. You can hang out with. You can spend time with. You can be together with, eat together, and, and share your heart with one another, trust one another, be confident. If it does not happen, then discipling is not happening. Because before you can pour doctrine, teaching, into somebody. There must be a give and take. This is why Proverbs 27, 17 says, just as iron sharpens iron, a man sharpens the countenance of his friend, not his enemy. In fact, your enemy, when you go down, you will stand up. I know some enemies in the church, when your rival puts on a certain cloth, even if you have it in the house, you won't wear that cloth because your rival also has the cloth. If any woman challenges it, she should get up. You see, your husband is married to two wives and 
your rival puts on one cloth. Do you put on the same cloth? You would rather die. So, you can't influence your enemy. But if the person is your friend, you can influence the person. I want to stop there. I started making disciples from 1976. This is 44 years that I've been in this work of making disciples and turning this way, turning this way, I go this way, I make, I've made hundreds of mistakes and I'm still making. But one thing I know is that that is the way Jesus did it. Let's, let's us not come up with a new invention. Let's follow Jesus and work with His strategy. Let's cooperate with the Holy Spirit and let Him help us to produce and multiply disciples the way Jesus did. God bless you. Follow JFK Men's Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.